When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The people have won a victory. The right to life has been vindicated. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. American women today have less freedom than their mothers. The court affirmed today that every life is worth living. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top name. These are seismic events in public policy that affect millions, hundreds of millions of people all at one time. Now, I love that stuff, and I love myself some James Madison. But when you're talking <laughs> about issues on the ground in reality... Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The draft opinion was the opinion as the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics on an historic day in America as the high court rescinds the constitutional right to an abortion. We'll be hearing from some of the smartest minds from politics and law over the next hour with Bloomberg's June Grasso, the host of Bloomberg Law, Michael Dorff, constitutional law expert and Cornell Law School professor, and analysis from the signature Sound On panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are both with us. Later, we'll discuss the way forward on Capitol Hill if there is one with Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins, who has been there throughout this day. We've lined up some important insights for you. It has been quite a day here in the nation's capital as the ruling didn't come as a surprise necessarily after the leak, but a lot of us still had to look twice when the headline crossed the terminal. Supreme Court overturns Roe. There it is. An historic ruling, as Greg Storr writes for Bloomberg, likely to render the procedure largely illegal in half the country and further polarize a deeply divided nation. Having spent the better part of six hours in front of the Supreme Court today, I can personally tell you that division was on display. And we saw it politically as well from both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. President Biden. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. As chairman and ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, as vice president and now as president of the United States, I've studied this case carefully. I've overseen more Supreme Court confirmations than anyone today, where this case was always discussed. I believe Roe v. Wade was the correct decision. He called it a sad day for the court and a sad day for America. 
and urged people to vote more Democrats into office so the right can be restored, if I can use that term, legislatively. The other side of the coin and the aisle from Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader in the House, expected to be speaker should the Republican Party take the majority. He was there to celebrate. You know, today's Supreme Court decision in Dobbs is the most important pro-life ruling in American history. By a vote of six to three, the court affirmed that the power to protect unborn life is returned to the people and their elected representatives. The people have won a victory. The right to life has been vindicated. The voiceless will finally have a voice. And here, of course, on Bloomberg Sound On, we seek context, perspective, and a sense of understanding here from both sides of this very sensitive issue. And we're going to do that over the next hour, beginning with June Grasso, our colleague at Bloomberg Law, the host of Bloomberg Law on Bloomberg Radio. June, it's great to have you. We knew this ruling was coming for the most part after that leak. Were you amazed at how similar the final version was? I wasn't only amazed at how similar the final version was. I was still shocked, even though we knew it was coming, because when you see it written right in front of you, as you mentioned on the terminal, when you see it written there, uh, you realize that it happened, whereas there was always a little hope that maybe something would happen. Justice Roberts would pull a rabbit out of a hat and something would happen so that we wouldn't have this end point of doing away with Roe v. Wade and the constitutional right to abortion, which women have enjoyed for nearly half a century. Yeah, of course, a lot of people think who wanted this to happen and fought for it. Uh, thought he did pull a rabbit out of his hat today, uh, so to speak. Interesting, though, that this was this was not exactly 6-3, uh, as, as he didn't rule entirely with the majority. Right. Justice Roberts agreed. The case was the Mississippi case and the Mississippi ban on abortion after 15 mm-hmm. weeks. Justice Roberts ruled with the majority in that instance, but he w- it was a concurrence. He said he would not have gone as far as the majority did. He would not have overturned Roe v. Wade. And we know that he's an incrementalist. We know that he likes to do things in, in bits and pieces, which is why I think this when the draft came down, it surprised so many people because they expected that Justice Roberts would still have his way and Mm -hmm. they would incrementally move along. But you're right, you know, uh, abortion opponents have been working on this since Roe v. Wade was first announced, decided. So, uh, you know, they've been working and I think abortion rights activists have been not expecting this until the draft came out, not expecting this to happen so soon. I'm sure you have a great conversation lined up for Bloomberg Law tonight, 10 p.m. Washington time, Wall Street time, June Grasso. I'm glad you could talk to us on an historic Always day. A and pleasure. it's a conversation that I'm I'm sure you and I will continue as we bring in Michael Dorf, a constitutional law voice, Cornell Law School professor. Michael, it's great to have you with us here. There are so many questions that we have Uh, In terms of what this is going to mean for the makeup of the nation, so many states had these trigger laws. I believe it was more than a dozen, 13 trigger laws, but also 16 states have protections already in place. They started passing these laws on the state level as some of these justices were uh, confirmed during the Trump administration. Do you have a long view, Michael, of what the country is going to look like once uh, all of the dust settles here? For instance, Virginia, the governor of Virginia, Yunkin, is going to seek a 15-week abortion law in the state. Do you have a sense of where this is going? 
I think in the short term, we will see a patchwork. Uh, states like Mississippi, Texas, Louisiana, states that have uh, strongly anti-abortion legislatures and governors will either enact or start to enforce existing laws. Mm -hmm. uh, states like New York, California, most of the New England states uh, will continue to keep abortion legal. Uh, there will, during that period, likely be efforts by pro-choice groups to make abortion available via travel from states that forbid most or nearly all abortions to states yeah. where abortion is more readily available. And that actually calls to mind one of the interesting points in a concurrence by uh, uh, Justice Kavanaugh in the case, in which he says that uh, he thinks uh, it's not directly at issue in this case, but he wants to assure people that in the right to view, travel. Uh, there is a right to travel. That's right. That is a the, the Constitution guarantees a right to interstate travel so that uh, states like Missouri and Oklahoma, which had uh, efforts to ban travel to other states to have an abortion so that they mm -hmm. won't be able to do that. Now, it remains to be seen whether uh, there would be five votes to strike down such a law forbidding interstate travel to have an abortion. But that's at least a, uh, raises the possibility that women who have the wherewithal Yes. to leave their home state if it forbids abortion, will be able to do so. And if uh, you if live in Texas, that's going to be a four or 500-mile trip. But in, and before you move on, it's important that you brought that up, Michael, because the president did as well, and he seemed very concerned about it and said that he, would, you know, he wouldn't allow anyone to stand uh, in the way of women's right to travel. That, that doesn't say a lot about the Democrats' hopes to turn this around anytime soon. Right, that's right. I think that uh, one possibility theory, of course, is that Congress could pass a law using its power to regulate interstate commerce, which is broad and includes the provision of medical services like abortion, that would uh, preempt state laws forbidding abortion. So a federal codification, if you will, of the pre-Dobbs right to abortion mm -hmm. is at least a possibility. Uh, the difficulty is that that would take uh, 60 votes in the Senate to overcome a filibuster, right. or uh, one of the two Democratic senators who've made clear that they don't want to change the filibuster, uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, mm -hmm. would have to uh, both change their mind on that. And that yeah. seems unlikely. Uh, I think it's more, it's actually more likely if there's to be national legislation that the next time we have a Republican Congress and a Republican president, we might see a national abortion ban, in which case abortion would be illegal, not just in those states that forbid it, but throughout but everywhere, the country, including yeah. states like New York, California. Yeah. Wow. We have so much to figure out here. Uh, the president and uh, Speaker Pelosi have suggested that this opens the door, could set precedent to overturn other rights, same-sex marriage, uh, contraception even. Uh, is, is that an extreme view, Michael, or, or is that in fact possible? Uh, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote a concurrence in the case saying that he would like to do exactly that. He says that the uh, constitutional rubric under which the court had recognized the right to abortion, what is sometimes called substantive due process, uh, should be abandoned across the board. And he singled out law, the court's rulings uh, that protected a right to same-sex sexual relations, yep. to same-sex marriage, to contraception. Uh, he left open the possibility 
that in his view, those rights might be protected under some other provisions, that seems very unlikely. I should say Justice Alito, in his majority opinion, says that you don't need to worry about that. He doesn't uh, intend to do that, that, that mm -hmm. that's different. But as the dissenters point out, and as I think the logic of Justice Thomas's concurrence says, it's not clear that he'll hold that line. Uh, so I think there will be a concerted effort, at least to bring to the court cases that provide the possibility of overturning those other rights. If I had to bet, I would say they won't do it. Yeah. But it's not because it doesn't follow logically from the opinion. But it's, it's not a false conversation for us to have right now, though. Correct. Correct. Um, last last minute here, Michael, I really appreciate your expertise. We, as we hear from Democrats about uh, moving forward with legislation, how would that look? We, we understand that this could be tied up in court. What is the legislative answer to this if Democrats had the numbers? Well, of course, at the state level, it's already uh, the abortion right is already protected for the most yeah, how about part in Congress in states. Right. So Congress would have to pass a law. As I said, it would have to. It, this is not a budget bill, so it can't be done through the so-called reconciliation process that only requires. So the president's right. Elect more Democrats. That's right. Well, you'd have to elect a lot more Democrats, which is very yeah, difficult would. to do, given the, the math of the, the Senate, which yeah. gives states. It's not going to happen this senators. November. Hey, Michael, thank you so no, much I for being with right. us on Bloomberg Radio. Sound On continues as we assemble the panel. Rick and Jeannie weigh in next. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. We heard from Donald Trump, of course, following the ruling. He did issue a statement. He says today's decision, which was the biggest win for life and a generation, along with other decisions that have been announced recently, were only made possible because I delivered everything as promised, including nominating and getting three highly respected and strong constitutionalists confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
He says, it was my great honor to do so, exclamation points. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, kind of said the same thing. Because of Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, and the Republican Party, their supermajority in the Supreme Court, American women today have less freedom than their mothers. The Congress will continue to act uh, to overcome this extremism and pr- extremism and protect the American people. Let's assemble the panel. We didn't know we'd be talking about this today. We thought it might happen. A lot of folks saw it coming next week. Either way, Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are here, the two people we want to hear from now, Bloomberg Politics contributors and, of course, our signature panel on Sound On. Let me have it, Jeannie. Uh, it actually happened. The draft was the final version. Nancy Pelosi seems to think that there is a a legislative answer to this, but Democrats don't have the numbers, do they? They do not. Um, You know, I I have to say I agree with June. You know, even though we saw this coming and and the draft, this very much echoes the draft. It it is startling to see it in black and white uh, because what the majority did is they literally rolled back a right that women have enjoyed for half a century. And it's not just that as if that wasn't enough. But as I've read now a couple times, the majority decision, it is the tone of this decision and the approach. By my count, he uses the term unborn human being about 11 times. This is a marked change from talk about a right to privacy and a right to choose. So this is a very different sort of approach to reading the Constitution than we've seen in our lifetimes. Well, what does it mean for Democrats on the campaign trail, Jeannie? I know that that's the kind of the next place everybody looks. Is this going to be the mobilizing element that changes the game in Washington in November? I don't know that it's going to change the game. We heard Joe Biden. We heard Nancy Pelosi. You know, they're saying that Roe is on the ballot. You need to make your voices heard in November. But I don't know that it is going to change much vis-a-vis Washington. I do think it is going to be a really big impact at the state level. You know, we're looking at gubernatorial races, legislative races, where, quite frankly, Republicans have been doing very, very well. They control about three-quarters of the state legislatures and governorships in this country. Um, And so this may have a much bigger impact there because quite frankly as you were just discussing uh with michael there's there's no chance that democrats have the number in the senate they need to get something like a national law passed so this is going to be a state uh a state fight rick davis republicans in washington have been largely silent on this issue uh knowing that inflation the economy and other issues that we tend to talk about every day here on this program are likely to be on voters' minds when they vote in November. Is that the right attack? Yeah, I think that you've, you've, you've got the right perspective on this. I mean, the Republicans are going into this election cycle just less than six months away with the wind at their backs, and the wind is the dismal management of, of the economy by the Biden administration. And so why change the topic, right? Why, why get off into a social war uh, around issues like abortion uh, and guns, frankly, uh, that we had last week uh, in order to draw a distraction away from the the number one issue in most households is is inflation. And if you're Republicans running a campaign, are on the offense, though, Rick, can you not assume that Democrats uh, could have a much higher turnout because of this? Or is that not foregone? Well, they have a, you can only turn out the votes you have. Right. And so the, the problem the Democrats have is they, they have a turnout issue. They, they have less intensity in most of the surveys. So they've got to try and figure out how to get their voters excited. And of course, the, this abortion ruling may do that. But that's only those voters who are going to side with them on the abortion issue. If you have lost faith in the Democratic Party because of inflation, you're, and you've made a decision at this point or you're leaning toward voting for Republicans because of that, 
you may not be distracted by the abortion issue to turn around and drop your focus on economy in mm-hmm. order to be lockstep with Democrats on abortion. We're going to see a lot of polling on this, obviously. Uh, Democrats, you can see the path here. Will Republicans be rewarded uh, somehow for closing the deal on this, for finishing the job, Jeannie? You know, I I do think with their base, absolutely. They have made a concerted effort over 50 years to make this happen. And and that was the culmination of what we saw with this decision today. But I think there are so many unknowns as it pertains to the politics around this. And just as an example, there is an economic impact of this decision on people, a very visceral impact. There's a visceral impact on companies, many of whom have already spoken out about helping their employees get the necessary health care they need. And let's not forget in 2018, it was the issue of health care that helped Democrats do better than we thought they would do. It's a very different year in 2022, arguably. But this, again, allows Democrats to raise the case that this issue of health care is on the ballot once again. These are deeply personal issues, I would argue, as personal as issues of inflation and the economy. So mm-hmm. I just think we don't know where this is going to land politically, particularly since we now have, as of today, some Americans living in a state where they enjoy a right and others that have been completely cut off. And that impact is wider than women. It's impacted men and and so many people. And certainly some people support this, but there's also a large segment who are not as keen on the idea that they have been shut off from this right. Yeah. How do Democrats keep it in the air, Rick, quickly here? November is a ways off still. Well, they're going to have to have their leaders like the president, the speaker and the majority leader in the Senate talking about it, which, of course, takes time away from their efforts to try and reform the economy. Boy, isn't that right, too? Because we needed more distractions in Washington. Rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour. We're going to bring in Emily Wilkins next from Bloomberg government to figure more on Democrats plans in Congress after the ruling today. This is Bloomberg. It was quite a day. It has been. It goes on, by the way, in Washington, D.C., as thousands of people turned up upon this ruling in front of the Supreme Court. This went on for hours, and it still pops up from time to time as the crowd gets worked up one way or the other. If you listen here, pro-life and pro-choice protesters. And they were standing across the street from each other, in many cases shoulder to shoulder, in the heat of the summer sun in Washington for hours. Hundreds showed up actually before the ruling, which was remarkable knowing that, well, we didn't know the ruling was coming. A lot of people thought it might be Monday. We didn't know what case would be released today. They're still out there now. As we look at a live view, that crowd is not getting smaller. Massive barriers set up around the Supreme Court following the leak. That's still there. And they've got bike racks set up going all the way around that side of Capitol Hill, where we catch up with Emily Wilkins, Bloomberg government Congress reporter, and of course, a friend of the family here on Bloomberg Sound On. Emily, it's been a long day. We've heard from Kevin McCarthy and from Nancy Pelosi. You cover the leadership on Capitol Hill. What are we going to see on both sides of the aisle as a response to this? So uh, I think what you're seeing today, of course, is a lot of emotion from both sides. You had Speaker Pelosi, um, you know, usually she walks to the podium, says good morning. And then this morning she walked into the podium and said she couldn't say good morning because it wasn't one. Meanwhile, uh, Republicans rallied in force. They had a huge press conference, a lot of them behind uh, Kevin McCarthy. 
um, you know, saying that declaring declaring this is a victory, but that this was also only the start. That Republicans they want to be able to do more. Um, they noted that they there has been support in the past uh, for a bill that would ban abortions after 20 weeks. Now Republicans say that they would be supportive of a bill that would ban abortions after 15 weeks. And you heard McCarthy voice his support for that. Certainly in a scenario, in a likely scenario that the Republicans uh, do win Congress in November, this could certainly be a piece of legislation that we see passed, of, of course, wow. uh, probably wouldn't make it uh, past the Senate, regardless of who's in charge because of the filibuster and wouldn't make it past Biden's signature. Um, but it kind of shows you what the Republican Party is thinking right now as far as next steps. How about the Democratic Party? Democrats don't have the votes to do much here, right, Emily? They, they don't. And the other thing is when I talked with a lot of Democrats today saying, what can you do next? You know, I was mostly speaking with those in the House um, and they their message was really, you know, we we can't do much that they've already passed legislation to codify road versus Wade. And it's now in the Senate. We had a number of um lawmakers who I spoke with, uh, Congressman David Cicilline, uh, who said, you know, they need to end the filibuster in the Senate. Uh, I spoke with another lawmaker today who said they need to make sure that Democrats add uh, two more senators uh, to their roster after November um, so they can overturn the filibuster. But let, let's be real here, Joe. A lot of those possibilities, yeah. it's not clear that there's a support. It's it's There's not like a concrete path to really get there, uh, particularly given uh, Biden's you know, low poll numbers and the fact that historically uh, this is set up to be a better year for Republicans than Democrats. Yeah, pretty incredible following uh, the House today passing uh, that gun safety legislation that that also was a, you know, a first in 30 years. We're talking about this ruling being uh, turning over the history of the last 50 years here. Will Republicans then, Emily, if I understand you right, start preemptively preparing that legislation should they have the majority in the fall? Um, the legislation on the the abortions, the 15 yeah. weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's already been discussion about that. There are already bills written up that have been introduced in the past that can easily be tweaked and changed. I mean, for Republicans, abortion is no longer, you know, it. yes, this is a day that they count as a victory and that many of them are celebrating, but they still see it as more that needs to be done, that a lot of them don't want to simply say, we're going to leave it to the states. Um, for many of them, it's, it's a very personal issue. It's an issue that ties back to, to their religious beliefs and the beliefs um, of a number of, of their uh, really strong uh, base of the Republican Party. Yeah. And so they do see a need to do more there. You cover the Capitol uh, every day, Emily. You're in that complex every day. I spent a long time there uh, today in front of the Supreme Court, and Capitol Police were there in massive numbers. At one point, some buses rolled up, and my goodness, I couldn't count how many uh, there were, how many dozens of police officers there were in reflector vests. We know that the barriers up around the court uh, there are smaller barriers, like I described, as bike racks around that side of the Capitol. Uh, but are we going to see a massive uptick in security here following not only this, but the January 6 hearings as well? I mean, th this is what uh, the Capitol Police, as well as the D.C. Police, they were preparing for this. They didn't know if the ruling was going to come on Friday or Monday or Wednesday, but they knew that they had to be ready when it did happen because they did anticipate the protests that we are seeing at the Supreme Court. You're also seeing um, even some businesses downtown. I've, I've seen photos circulating on social media of um, them sort of preparing, uh, you know, potentially for protests yep. over the weekend and, and in the coming weeks. Yeah, there could be uh, 
some plywood going up around here. Emily, thank you so much. I know you've had a busy day, and I appreciate your insights. We wanted to make sure we heard from Emily Wilkins at Bloomberg Government because she covers Congress every day, as you just heard, having a good sense of this. We're getting some news here. First of all, breaking news from uh, the Attorney General, Eric Schmidt uh, of Missouri. Following the SCOTUS ruling, he tweets, Missouri has just become the first in the country to effectively end abortion with our AG opinion signed moments ago, an image of him putting pen to paper, uh, what he calls a monumental day for the sanctity of life. We can just also add now Arkansas, trigger ban certified. This is coming before me as we speak. Abortion now banned in Arkansas. Certification came just hours, as I read, after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. This is happening before our eyes in real time. That's why you're with us here on the Fastest Hour in Politics. We will reassemble the panel next and get more into this, along with the security aspect with some very real concerns about what might happen in the Capitol tonight and over the weekend. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are back in next. Bloomberg Politics contributors will check traffic and markets for you, too, because this is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The response was pretty immediate following the ruling. It happened at 10.10 a.m. Washington time. That's when we learned that the Supreme Court had ruled to overturn Roe v. Wade. The president spoke from the White House a short time later. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people that it had already recognized. They didn't limit it, they simply took it away. That's never been done to a right so important to so many Americans. But they did it. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. 
Republican House leader Kevin McCarthy. And the truth is, pro-life Americans are not planning a night of rage. <laughs> the, rea the reaction to this principal decision by the court, it must be peaceful. And the DOJ must step up to protect our justices, yes. their families, churches, and pro-life pregnancy centers from unprovoked violence. Speaking with other members of the Republican leadership in the House, that pretty much gives you the story as these politicians represent both sides of the argument. We reassemble our panel on Sound On. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us. Uh, Rick, there is a concern apparently uh, within Donald Trump's sphere that this actually might be bad for Republicans. An interesting story in The New York Times, the man most responsible for ending row worries that it could hurt his, his party, apparently telling people privately that he, he could see this angering suburban women, a group who helped to tilt the 2020 race to President Biden. He referred to the Texas abortion law as so stupid that they allowed citizens to file lawsuits against people who enable abortions. Is he right about this? Well, every now and then a uh, hog can find an acorn if they're blind. So, um, yeah, I think he's got uh, a point, right? We've seen it in survey data uh, that this will cross pressure certain constituencies uh, within the Republican Party and within the swing community. In other words, people who aren't self-identified as R's and D's, we tend to talk too much about polarization because there's a wide swath of Americans who aren't associating with either party right now yeah. and they're up for grabs and this is one of the issues that tends to make them uh go one way or another and so sure uh some of these state laws could get uh pretty doctrinaire like the texas law and and that could turn off uh suburban voters or uh, all kinds of different voters i i would say the constituencies around uh, uh abortion and the road decision have been really firmly fixed you know, for nearly five decades, and, and, and not much in the polling data has changed in that period of time. Sadly, I've been reading polls for almost that same length of time, <laughs> and, and you haven't seen a lot of gravitational pull. Um, you know, you, you kind of set that, that, that dinner service uh, at the time of Roe, mm -hmm. and, and, and American politics has worked around that ever since then. Angering suburban women, this is a demographic, uh, Jeannie, that, well, you know about, uh, because it helps to decide presidential elections every four years now. Uh, how is this going to cut within suburban women? Is Donald Trump right? You know, it could. And, and this is, um, you know, a big, I think, question mark still. There's nothing that gets people to the polls like being angry and losing. Those two things do get people out to vote. But I also think we need to be a little bit cautious about assuming that this is a women's issue, per yeah. se, and that, you know, all women think one way about this issue, because that's certainly not true. And it's not true about men, you know, or any other sort of group. So I think both Democrats and Republicans Republicans have to be very careful on that. Mm -hmm. And I also think that he he also sort of ignores one part of this story, which is that fact that the decision, both the majority and the concurrence, talks not just about a restriction of abortion, but also talks about potentially moving forward to address other rights, same-sex marriage, for instance, mm -hmm. and consensual sex contraception. And that's something we've heard Democrats and the president talk about, because that would bring in, presumably, even other constituencies that would be concerned. So this could potentially trigger a get out the vote drive. 
I am not a person who believes this will surpass people's concern about the economy, for instance. Right. Yeah. But if this is a base election and get out the vote is important and the middle does, you know, defines some of these purple states, it could be an issue that is, you know, uh, really important in terms of the outcome of some of these close races. Rick, we were saying earlier uh, with regard to all of this, you made the point in the 1970s, half the Republican Party was pro-choice. Uh, a, a lot of Southern Democrats were pro-life. How have both parties in that period of time become so entrenched around this issue? Well, look, I mean, it was it was a, a gravitational issue at the time because the parties were changing, right? Southern Democrats, Dixie Democrats, Dixiecrats uh, were becoming Republicans, uh, Republicans in the Northeast. We, we held all the state legislatures and almost all the governorships from Maine to New York uh, at one point in time as Republicans. You can't even imagine that now. No. People who were born after 1980 would think you were out of your mind to say things like that. Uh, uh, chairman of the Republican Party was 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 pro-choice. So uh, a lot has changed. And, and mostly it was this moment around Reagan's election, really where uh, even though uh, 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 it wasn't the issue that brought Reagan to uh, the uh, presidency, it was a chance for social conservatives to rally around an individual and really redefine him and, and, and the Republican Party in the process. And that's exactly what happened. And you can you can track the emergence of the pro-choice movement around mm-hmm. the Reagan presidency and subsequent presidents after huh. that. Yeah, we we used uh, we referred to the the congressman by the name of Henry Cuellar, a Democrat from Texas, quite a bit. Uh, earlier this year in because he won his primary genie as the last anti-abortion Democrat in the House. We know how many there are. There's one. When you look back at the evolution in the Democratic Party, how do you rationalize that far a move to the left on this single issue? You know, this has been the story, whether we're talking about guns or we're talking about abortions, uh, these parties have become so homogeneous in a way that makes it very difficult for them to reach across the aisle and get things done. I mean, we've talked about, you know, the gun control issue, for instance, the last big gun bill before the one today was because Republicans and Democrats were able to find some common ground. That's much harder to do on an issue like guns or abortion when, to your point, you have just one pro-life Democrat in the entire House. And, you know, probably how many in the Senate? Maybe two or three. So, it's a really, really big change, and I think it's a dangerous development that these parties, at, at the elected level, and that's right. what I want to stress, because there are a lot of Democrats who are pro-life, just as there are a lot of Republicans who are pro-choice, but they don't get elected in these particularly districts where you have this gerrymandering going on and you have the, the outer limits of both parties mm-hmm. determining who the nominees are. That's right, and we continue to galvanize on each side. I don't know if you heard uh, Kevin McCarthy at the beginning of what he was just saying, this night of rage. Let me hear him again. And the truth is, pro-life Americans are not planning a night of rage. He got some chuckles there uh, from those who were with him, but this actually is uh, a potentially serious matter. It's something that law enforcement is concerned about, and the White House has actually had to issue a couple of statements. The president mentioned it today, not by name. Corinne Jean-Pierre, though, did in the White House briefing room, saying that they were familiar with this 
that, uh, that, that pro-choice activists could well take to the streets, cause damage, vandalism, et cetera, that there could be violence. This is part of the reason why justices homes are being protected right now. How much of a how much of an issue starting right now, Rick Davis, is security? Oh, I think it's a big deal. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security today issued a warning uh, that cells of nationwide terror groups, you know, these are domestic terror groups, which we've been hearing so much about. And we, we think of white nationalists and, yeah. and militia types, but uh, there are terror groups that have been identified by the Homeland Security around this issue. And, and evidently they've been identifying churches and other facilities uh, that they are concerned might be attacked. So uh, if, if Homeland Security thinks it's a big issue, then I think the rest of us should be concerned also. And uh, Jeannie, members of both parties should be as well. Absolutely. And, you know, we have seen violence against federal judges, you know, threats against Supreme Court justices, but federal judges as a whole. There was the horrific uh, killing of the son of a New Jersey federal uh, judge in, you know, last year, I believe it was. So this has got an ongoing problem. And it is something I was very glad the president said, you know, people can protest, but they need to do so peacefully. Right. And that has always got to be the case. And, and we cannot forget that. Well, we're no strangers to this down here. Uh, you know, Rick, I know that, you, that you're, you live in the Capitol area. You've probably seen the barriers up around the court. You think they need to go back up around the Capitol? You know, I, I, it, too soon to tell. Uh, I think kudos to the president for making part of his statement today, uh, a message to the American people to uh, protest, but protest peacefully. Uh, frankly, that's a, that's a big improvement over what we've had in the past. So um, uh, hopefully the president's influence uh, will help. And um I do think law enforcement, uh, Homeland Security, local police forces, the FBI, they, they've become much more sophisticated when it comes to these local groups that disrupt uh, these kinds of things. So uh, yeah. hopefully we can remain an open city, even though there's a 10-foot chain-link barrier around the Supreme Court right <laughs> it now. Sure it'd be nice to not see that for the rest of the, our, our beautiful city. I want to take this, this second that I have to thank Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano for their balanced analysis Every day on this program, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. That's why they make up our signature panel. Thanks to Emily Wilkins as well. Our friend June Grasso, who will have a great Bloomberg Law edition coming up later, and Michael Dorff. The fastest hour in politics. I'll see you back here Monday. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore.